have the stumble across or there's something being done or said in, in some of the teachings, whether by Sister Parker, myself, or Brother DeMuth, that you've latched on to of the value and importance of faith. Amen. And, and now faith. You know, as I was saying week before last about now faith is, you know, now, now, you know, you got to have it now. <laughs> and then you got to have it for that contingency, you know. And last week I, I listened to Brother Moose, the Moose teaching you and, and stuff. And, and he, I had told him that he needed to do the last two points on the purpose for now faith for discouragement and then purpose for contingency and he did a very good job with that you know and stuff and and it's important and and you were probably looking at your lessons and you were probably thinking now what does faith have to do with discouragement and what does it have to do with contingency and these things you know uh the other day i sent out a text you know and usually i don't send out texts unless god sparks me to do this stuff you know and i and i sent out a text the other day and i says if you remove the you from discouragement, you won't have any. Uh, and sometimes you might have been on the other end and you might think, what does he know about that? <laughs> but it is true. And, and, I, and you hear me say these things a lot of times like you take the eye out or you put the eye in, you can't have it with it. And it really is not me, it's God doing it, you know, and, and he's showing me these things to share. And that's the thing is, as children of God, we have got to get to the point that this book is what it says, you know. And, and, and you know, it, it doesn't mean that these things aren't going to come. See, that's the uniqueness is this book has already given us and told us what's going to come. See, so we as children of God should not be surprised when it comes. When it comes, we should still have the faith and the ability to overcome. Jesus says, I have overcome. So he has given us his spirit and his power in us so that we can have the strength and the power to overcome too. We should be able to be ready for anything that comes against us, even if it hits us unaware, because we have prepared in advance. Say. We prepared ourselves. It's kind of like when I was in the army, you know, and, and, and some of the training, most of the guys will tell you when I was in, we was in the army, one of the first thing they taught you in basic rifle marksmanship was how to apply immediate action on your weapon if it fails to fire. You know, they say, tap up on the magazine two times. Pull the charging hander to the rear. Observe behind you and see if anything come out. Let the forward assist. Tap it twice and shoot, you know, immediately immediate action you know with your nbc mass they they was would teach us you got nine seconds sister bell to get it on to clear get it out the pouch nine seconds you know that's not a long time you got to get it out get it on clear it and be ready to go in nine seconds if not they tap you on the head say you're dead so you get so used to practicing and practices and practicing that you can do it in that nine seconds you know you find most soldiers that comes upon an accident they immediately know what to do they immediately know to look for signs of life they need immediately know to look for you know first aid procedures because they are told they are taught this stuff over they train for it over and over and over 
They know how to do these things. And so that's why they immediately respond to, into action. You know, that's just like those guys on the, on the train, the terrorists and stuff. You know, soldiers, they, they are taught, you know, how to respond and immediately action to take immediate action. And so these things come. Survival techniques. The military teach you. They prepare you in advance in training so that when you get out there, you know how to survive. Well, it's no different in the church. That's why God wants us to have faith is because he wants us to be able to survive. He wants us to be able to, to respond immediately when things ain't going right or things comes against us. And so we got to be able to do this, these things at a split second and a moment's notice. When discouragement or, or things hit you and it wants to knock the wind out of your cell, you got to immediately, be, you might be okay to weep just a little bit. Like I tell you, I'll let you stay down for two days, but the third day you got to get up. Because Jesus got up on the third day, you know. So you've got to get up too. You can't stay down there because you do. It will defeat you. You'll start to rot. You'll start to stink. So you got to get up and say amen. And so that's what you have to do. Notice Hebrews 6, verse 9 through 12, a familiar passage of Scripture. Hebrews 6, 9 through 12. But, beloved, I am persuaded of better things of you, and things that accompany salvation, though we thus speak. For God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love, which you have showed towards his name, and that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. And we desire that every one of you to show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope unto the end, that you be not slothful, but follower of them who through what? Faith and patience inherit the promises. So we have examples in Scripture of how to be overcomers. Amen. And so we have many great examples in the Bible uh, that we need to fall upon and see how they overcame. You remember that old song you used to sing, Why should I feel discouraged and why should the shadows come and why should my heart be lonely and long for heaven and home when Jesus is my portion? A constant friend is he, his eye is on the sparrow. And I know he's watching over me. Well, I've got exceeded precious promises from God. I'm not going to leave you. So I have to build up myself on my most holy faith. Amen. We have to learn how to handle certain situations and things that come against us. As I said earlier, we already know things are going to come against us. We already know that discouragement is going to come. We already know that rejection is going to come. We already know sickness and pain is going to come. Death is going to come. Persecution is going to come. Failure is going to come. You know, divorce and divisions and families are going to come. You know, and people are going to let you down. You know it's going to come. The Bible tells you. So what do we do? Sit and wait for it to come? No, you prepare in advance. You get enough scripture in you that when it comes, you are able to pick yourself right back up and press forward. That's what David did. You know, when he lost everything, what did the Bible say about David? He encouraged himself in the Lord. He got his faith back into action immediately and he went to God. Amen. And as a result, he overcame. So you have got to get yourself right. Look at 1 Peter 4.12. 1 Peter 4.12. Peter tells us, he says, Beloved, 
Think it not strange concerning the fire trials, which is to try you, as though some strange thing has happened to you. All right? Now, now look there, what he tells you. He says, so don't think it's strange when it starts coming against you. Okay? When the fire trials, those that just really feel like they're burning you up, things are coming against you, he says, don't think it's strange. He says, but, jump off the building, right? <laughs> get up on top of the building and start dancing. Amen. Just get out your handkerchief and go, yeah, thank you, Jesus. You know, do a little hold down. You know, he says, get excited. Not be downtrodden, but get excited with it. He says, because inasmuch as now you are a betaker of Christ's suffering, that when his glory shall be revealed, you may be glad also with exceeding joy. Amen. We, we quote that scripture in Psalms, uh, what is it, uh, 16, uh, no, 35, weeping may do it for a night, but joy come in the morning. Amen. We, we got to have the joy of the Lord is my strength, Nehemiah 9 says, right? So we got to have the joy of the Lord. We need to have joy. If you be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are you for the spirit and glory of God rest upon you. On their part he's evil spoken of, but on your part he is glorified. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or busybody in the other men's matter. Yet if any of you suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glory on glorify God on this behalf. Amen. So we, we need to get excited about some things that happens. You know, it, 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 some of these things that God is allowing to happen to us is to really check our faith, to see where we are. You know, you've got to have some things to see if it's going to work or not. You know, that's just like we, I've said in the Army. They want you to check this stuff to see if it's going to work in peace. So that you know it'll be effective in war. See? And so this is the same way. God allows some things to happen while you are in peace and not going through a whole lot of things in your life. So you can see if it's going, your faith is going to work. So you have to put it to use. You have to get it to working for you. Amen. So let's move on here. Amen. So this is why we need that now faith. This is why you need to build up yourself on your most holy faith. Job did not wait until his problems came to worship God. He did things when he's in his right mind. You know, if I don't got any problems or things ain't happen, I should be doing all the right things. I should be preparing. I should be laying up stuff. You know, that's why the Bible tells you to go to the ant. You know, it's just observing. They don't wait till it get cold to start looking for food because they know there ain't going to be any out there. They prepare now, a lot in the old days, what the families used to do in the summer, they did a lot of canning. You know, they made jelly, they made jam, they, you know, they, they, they canned beans, they canned corn, they did canned all these things, preparation for the hard time, which was the winter. You know, and it's no different than anything else. When things are good, when things are going good in your life, you should be building up on your most holy faith. You should be strengthening yourself. You should be studying. You should be reading. You should be getting books that is exciting and uplifting and all these things 
So your prayer prepared. Because there's a lot of books and things out there that tell you how to handle certain situations and things that come. Because why? Other people has already gone through it. So they have written books to help you and I to have that understanding of what we can try to do that they did to help them get through. Now, I'm not saying what they went through and got through, you're going to be able to get through. But they can give you some ideas. And you will find that most of them says, I reverted to the things of God, the Word of God. And so this is what you want to do as well. Amen. Because while you are preparing, you are really preparing for the contingency. Those uneventful or unwanted events that's going to come down the road so that you are ready for them. Amen. We have to get into the Word of God. You have to build up your relationship and your trust with God. Look at Jude, verse 20 and 21. Jude, verse 20 and 21. Jude, verse 20 and 21. But you, beloved, build up yourself on your most holy faith, praying and the Holy Ghost. Keep yourself in the love of God, looking for the mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. Now, notice what Jude says there. Amen. He says, keep yourself in the love of God, looking for the mercies of the Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. So let me give you three ways to build up your self on your most holy faith. Three ways to build up yourself on your most holy faith, at the same time, you are, will help you to come against discouragement and prepare for contingency. Number one, Jude says, is to pray in the Holy Ghost. Now, Sunday, I listed three things from from Second Chronicles that spoke of uh, your position, your posture, and your perspective. Well, this verse here does the same thing. So, number one is your position. Praying in the Holy Ghost. Amen. Your position, praying in the Holy Ghost. Now, when we look at Daniel 6.10, Daniel did not wait until the king signed the decree and put it into place and decided to throw him in the prison with the lions. Daniel was already praying three times a day. Notice, the Bible says in Daniel 6.10, Now, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house, and his window being opened the chambers towards Jerusalem, he knelt upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave God thanks before God, as he did aforetime. See? He was already praying three times a day. And even though the decree was signed, he did not change and stop praying. Amen. So he began to continue to keep praying. And this is what happens when we get into practice of praying three times, or the Bible says pray without ceasing. We get in the habit of communicating with God. We get in the habit of talking to God. We get in the habit of interceding to God. We will see that it will build our faith. It will strengthen us. We will get through prayer to be able to hear that still, small voice when God speaks to us so that when we are going through things in our lives, we will be able to hear Him say, Fret not, little flock, is your Father's good pleasure 
to give you the kingdom. We'll be able to hear him say, I won't leave you, nor will I ever forsake you. We'll be able to hear him say, my grace is sufficient for you. We'll be able to hear those things that we need to hear to keep us motivated, to keep us pressing towards the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Our prayer life will be strengthened. Our faith will be strengthened as well. And Mark 1.35, it tells us that Jesus, what? He rose early in the morning and went into a solitary place and there prayed. Amen. We have got to get up and pray. Amen. We can't wait until all the noise and everything that's coming against us because if you wait till the sun comes up, you're going to have too many distractions. There will always be distractions. So if you get up early, now you can go back to sleep later. <laughs> but if you get up early and find a solitary place, place, excuse me, and pray, you will be surprised what habits you begin to develop. See? And this is why we need to get along. And I think sometimes, yeah, we may get woke up early to go to the bathroom, but what a better time after we're up to go out and pray a few minutes with the Lord or have a good talk with the Lord while everybody else is asleep and then go back to bed. You know, I do that a lot of times, you know, but at least I, I, I keep my prayer in focus, see, and this will help us. Jesus got up early before day and he went into a solitary place and there prayed. In Matthew twenty six forty one, we know in the garden, Jesus was praying you know, and he went back and forth praying. And then he comes back, and what was his disciples doing? They were crashed out. They were sleeping. And Jesus said to Peter, he says, rise, Peter. You know, pray. He said, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Pray that you enter not into temptation. You know, he was trying to get him, look, you need to pray. Because if you don't pray when temptations come, you will respond in kind to the temptation. You are so susceptible to accept the temptation or the lust or whatever comes your way because you haven't prepared for it. See? And the devil can trip you up and cause you to fall if you don't. You're, you're easily to lose your faith if that temptation is there and you can't overcome it. This is why James tells us in James 1, he says, Count it all joy... When you fall into divers' temptation, see, I'm sorry, I stuck my hammer pocket on the mic. <laughs> but, uh, you know, so, but we have to get into that prayer life thing with the Lord at an early stage in our lives. Amen. In Acts 16, we see that Paul and Silas, when they first get to Philippi, they're constantly going out praying. So they was building a life of contingency and prayer there in Philippi before they ever was cast into prison, before they was ever cast into jail and was beaten, they had already built themselves up in prayer to be ready for what may come. And as a result, when they was cast into prison, what did they do? They were still able to sing. They were still able to praise God and probably pray in that prison cell. And what happened? The prison was shaken, the earthquake, they was loose, and people got saved. See, when you're going through things, you have still got to be able to sing. You have still got to be able to pray. Amen. 
You might feel like you are locked up, but you still got to learn to pray and to sing and to give praises to God. Because this is what faith does. It prevails up now. The faith that you have now, faith that you built back here and your prayer time with God and being strengthened in the Lord is now pushed forward to say, hey, you can overcome this. You can be able to, you know, keep going. You talk to most prisoners of war, and they will tell you that what got them through was they kept praying. They kept believing. They kept hanging on, you know, to the sixth article of of the Code of Conduct, which says, I will trust in my God and in the United States of America. They keep pounding that into you again in case you become a prisoner of war. So if you find yourself in these things, you've got to keep trusting. That's where faith comes in, and you've got to keep believing. So Paul and Silas was able to still keep praying when they was in their jail situation. In Acts 12, we see that when Peter, you know, was locked up, you know, the church was still praying for him. You know, they still interceded for Peter. And as a result, they was building themselves up on their most holy faith. Amen. And Peter decided he'd just go to sleep since everybody else was taking care of the matter, right? You know, so, but notice Acts 2, you know, after the day of, first day of Pentecost, they continue steadfast in the apostles' doctrine, fellowship, breaking the bread, and prayer. See, they kept praying. So the initial thrust, and we've got to keep praying. We've got to build ourselves up on our most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. Praying in the Holy Ghost doesn't just mean praying in tongues, Amen. It means a life of prayer. It means your life, Christ being in you. We are called to walk in the Spirit, to pray in the Spirit, to live in the Spirit. So Christ is in us, okay? If we've got the Holy Ghost, He's in us. So when we go to the Lord anytime in prayer, we should pray in the Holy Ghost because He's in us. Amen. And so and as a result, we are praying, amen, under that divine influence and anointing of God. Notice what Paul says in Romans 8, verse 26 and 27. Romans 8, 26 and 27. Amen. He says, Likewise, the Spirit also help our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searcheth the heart knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh in a section for the saints according to the will of God. So the Holy Ghost kicks in. Amen. You know, if you ever see some people, you know, they write out their prayers. Now, there's nothing wrong with writing out your prayer. Don't get me wrong. You know, but if you are operating under the anointing of the Holy Ghost and you are called to pray, you shouldn't need to have a written out speech. You should know how to pray. These are things that we learn at the earliest stage in our lives. The disciples turned to Jesus finally and they said, Lord, teach us to pray. And Jesus taught them how to pray back here because he knew they was going to need it over here. See? And that's the, some of the first things we should learn. This is why in church prayer meetings to new believers is so critical. Prayer conferences 
These things are all good. Amen. Books on prayer. You know, following the examples of the Bible, of those that prayed in the Bible. We need to have these same kind of examples in our lives. We don't wait till the problems come to pray. We practice it in advance. We say, hey, half an hour before church, let's come and pray. You know, service, home life, pray. We, we give out papers, focus prayer every month. We give it to you. You know, pray these, here's some, you know, I'm not telling you what to pray. I'm just saying, hey, here's some areas we want to focus on. But as you are praying those areas, you will find that the Holy Ghost will kick in and will lead you down the different road to pray for other things in that same area. You may know somebody in, in, in your church or somebody in your life that isn't committed. You know, maybe you've got a loved one that, that used to serve God, but now they're no longer committed to prayer and the things of God. Well, it gives you that opportunity to begin to intercede for them and asking God to give them the same commitment again, the love, the zeal, the eagerness, and the things that they once had that you knew they had in their lives to be able to come back, to build up their faith, to trust Him more, and to draw them back, amen, to prepare themselves. This is what you're looking for in all this. You're being led by the Spirit of God. Now, I understand when some people write out their speech, if they got to get in front of a group, you know, they want to say the right word, be politically correct and everything else. But you need to be led by the Spirit. You know, we don't know what is needed out there. But God does. See? God knows what is needed. And that's why He gives you sometimes under the unction, you know, of the Holy Ghost. You know, when, when he, we leave. That's why I don't tell people what to say when they pray. I don't. You know, it, it, you have to let the Spirit lead you. You know, when you're, when you're praying. When you look at the kings in, in the old days, David had a strong prayer life. Solomon had a strong prayer life. Jehoshaphat had a strong prayer life. Josiah had a strong prayer life to God. And you read about those kings and what does it say in the end? And they all had a good report with God. Their kingdom was good. But look at all the kings that did not have a prayer life with God. And you read the scripture and what do you find? And the Bible says, and they did evil in the sight of God. And if we don't have a strong prayer life, we're going to do evil in the sight of God. But as we pray, what are we doing? We're building up ourselves on our most holy faith. We are trusting in God. We're believing in God. You know, when I say, does anybody have prayer requests? If I don't believe God is going to answer, I'm wasting my time. When you give me a prayer request and I go to God, I am believing that God is going to answer. And when I hear that God is doing great things and God is healed and God is delivered, what does it do to me? It builds me up. Not in an ostentatious or prideful way because I pray, but because God's has strengthened my faith now. And I know that if He did it once, He'll do it again. See, and this is what we want to do. We want to pray in the Holy Ghost, building up ourselves on our most holy faith. Amen.
keeping ourselves in the love of God. Rejoice in hope, patience in tribulation. Continue instant in prayer, Paul says in Romans 12, 12. Amen. We want that divine influence to be in our lives. Amen. We want to be led by the Spirit of God. Amen. There should be every child of God. They should be throughout the course of the day. You know, whether early morning, lunch, or dinner, or night before you go to bed. They, the Spirit should speak to you to pray for something. Amen. We should build up ourselves on our most holy faith. Amen. Number two. Number two. He says, keep yourselves in the love of God. This is our posture. Not just how we sit, kneel, or stand, but it's our attitude and our frame of mind. Keep ourselves in the love of God. Amen. You see, because I'm a firm believer, if you love something... With all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, that's where you're going to devote your time to. If I love my job, which I do, no, I don't see pastoring as a job, but it's a career thing, and I love it, just like when I was in the Army. I'd be a fool to stand here and tell you I did not love the Army. I did. You know, and, and, and if God hadn't told me to get out, I'd probably still be in there if they'd have let me. You know? I, I really did. I loved it. I loved what I was doing. You know, and I love the ministry. I love what I'm doing. You know, it doesn't faze me to, to do this, you know, because I, I love it. I, lo- I love God. I love to teach. I love to reach. I like to teach Bible studies. I, I just love it, you know. And so that's where my heart is, you know, and that's where it, I'm going to be in the things of God, say. And notice what Moses told the children of Israel in Deuteronomy chapter 7. Look at, look at Deuteronomy chapter 7, you know, starting at verse 6, I think it is, here. Amen. For thou art a holy people unto the Lord God, Lord thy God. The Lord thy God has chosen thee to be a special people unto himself above all people that are upon the face of the earth. Now, they say there are about six or seven billion people now in the world. And God chose you out of all of them to give you his spirit, to bring you to this new apostolic truth. You want something special? He just loved you. <laughs> he chose you. My goodness. I know the scripture is talking about Israel here, but don't we say that the church is Israel, spiritual Israel? He chose us. He loves us. You're special upon the face of the earth. Verse 7. The Lord did not set his love upon you, nor choose you, because you were more numbered than any people, for you were the fewest of people. Verse 8. Because the Lord loved you. Amen. God loves you. <laughs> I don't care what anybody else say. You know, I don't care if everybody else say they don't love you, they don't care about you, they hate you, whatever. You've got a promise from God. I love you. Amen. God loves you. Amen. But because the Lord loved you and because he would keep the oath which he has sworn to your fathers, have the Lord brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you out of the house of bondage from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Verse 9. Amen. 
Know therefore that the Lord thy God, he is God, the faithful God, which keepeth covenant and mercy with them that love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. Boy, that's a long, long time. A thousand generations. It says, well, if you have a thousand grandchildren, my goodness, that's a long time. Amen. God loves you. He does. So if God loves us, we'll love Him. Keep yourselves in the love of God. Amen. And so if I keep myself in the love of God, i got to love the things of God. What was Jesus' custom? Jesus had a custom. What was it? Anybody know? <laughs> Amen. He went to church, didn't he? Amen. Luke 4.16 says, as Jesus' custom was, he went to synagogue. He went to church. Maybe, you know, he, he, he went to church. So if I love God, shouldn't I go to church? <laughs> Amen. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. So I want to build myself up for the contingency. So I need to go to church. I have to press myself through so I can be there, so I can hear the word. Because I don't know what kind of contingencies is going to happen in my life and what I'm going to be faced against. So I want to have as much faith. I want to have as much spiritual growth and build it up myself as much as I can, ready for anything that's going to come down the pipeline against me. The Bible tells us in Hebrews 10, 26, uh, 25, 26, Don't neglect the assemblies yourself together, but exalt one another and so much more as you see the days approaching. Amen. We've got to build up ourselves on our most holy faith. Amen. Keeping ourselves in the love of God. You know, I hear people all the time say, Oh, I love lacrosse. That's why I live lacrosse. I hear people say, Oh, I, I love New York. I said, all that crime, you love it. Oh, yeah, I love New York. So that's why they stay in New York. Uh, Think about it. Where your heart is, your treasure is, excuse me. That's where your heart is, right? So my treasure is the Lord. (laughs) So that's where my heart is, right? (laughs) What did you say, Sister Wendy? (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Amen. Praise God. God is, has to be important. The things of God. You know, and we love those things. And so this is why we build up ourselves. Amen. We love Him. The things of God. The prayer. The worship. All these things are, are so key and essential to helping us build up our faith in the Lord. Amen. This is why Paul says in Romans eight thirty-five through 39, he asked the question, he says, Who shall separate me? Us from what? The love of God. Who shall separate us from the love of God? Shall tribulation, shall distress, shall persecution, shall famine, shall nakedness, shall peril, shall sword. As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep unto the slaughter. Nay, no, nix, nay, nay. That's German for no, 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 no. And all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. 
He loves us. We are more than conquerors. We overcome these things by our faith. Now notice verse 38. For I am persuaded. You've got to have that persuasion in you that neither death. We know it's coming. Life. Angels. Principalities. Powers. Neither things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing, no problems, no situations, no discouragement, nothing should be able to pull you away from God because you've already built yourself up on your most holy faith. You're ready for it. You're prepared for it. Amen. You're, you're ready. It hits you. That's why Ephesians 6, he says, Above all, you take the shield of faith, wherewith you are able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. No matter what the enemy throws down the pipeline at you, your faith shield should automatically goes up. It says, no, sorry, devil, that wasn't strong enough. You know, sorry, you missed that one, bud. I'm still on the victory crown. I'm still wearing. I'm still running forth. Amen. To the end. Amen. So you've got to build yourself up on your most holy faith in the love of God. Number three, looking for the mercies of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. This is your perspective. You've got to see the end. You've got to see the end. You know, this is what Paul says in 2 Timothy 4, verse 7. He says, I fought a good fight. I finished my course. I kept the faith. Notice, we know all the things that Paul went through, don't we? And notice what he said. I fought a good fight. Man, he says, I wasn't just in there beating against the wind. <laughs> he says, I know what I was hitting. You know, he says, I wasn't boxing against the wind. He says, I fought a good fight. I finished my course. And I have kept the faith. He says, henceforth, there is laid for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give to me at that day. And not only to me, but all those that love his appearing. If we're looking for him, amen, we are going to receive, amen, that crown of life, that crown of glory, that crown of righteousness which the righteous judge should give to us. We're, that's what we're looking for. We're looking for the coming of the Lord. We're looking. We're holding fast. Amen. We're building up our faith. We're keeping strong in the Lord because we're looking for eternal life where we will reign with Him forever and ever and ever. But I've got to have faith to get there. Because if not, the enemy is going to try to trip me to stop me. This is why Jesus says in Revelation, See that no man steal your crown. Build it up. Build it up now. Amen. Get it ready. Praise God. Amen. Lamentations 3, 22 and 23. We, we quote this a lot. It is the Lord's mercies that we're not consumed because His compassions fail not. They're new every morning. Amen. New every morning. So, <laughs> so I should have a bunch of it. A bunch of mercies. I get up early. Psalm 68, 19 says, He daily loadeth us with benefits. Notice, He daily loaded us with benefits. 
even the God of our salvation. Selah. Selah says, stop and think about that. Blessed is the Lord who daily loads you with benefits. If you read Psalms 103, it, it starts out and says, Bless the Lord, all my soul, and do what? Don't forget all His benefits. Can you get that real quick, babe? <laughs> Psalms 103, verse 1. <laughs> bless the Lord, all my soul, and all that is me. Bless the Lord, verse 2. Bless the Lord, all my soul, and forgetting all His benefits. Number 3. Who forgive us of all thine iniquities, mercies. Who heal us of our diseases, mercies. Who redeem our life from destructions. Who crowned us with loving kindness and tender mercies. Who satisfy my heart with good things so my youth is new like an eagle. I should be able to soar. Amen. Every day, he's given me all this stuff to pick me back up. He daily loads me with the word of God. He daily gives me enough to keep going. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. That's why David said, by my God, I can run through a troop and I can leap over a wall. <laughs> I had Sister Sonia when she came out and said, can you run through a troop? <laughs> leap over a wall. Amen. Some days, <laughs> well, keep practicing. I guarantee you'll be able to do it every day. <laughs> Amen. This is what you want your faith to be able to do is to to build you up, to strengthen you. As the Lord's mercy is new every morning, great is thy faithfulness. Amen. Because, see, neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none are the name in the heaven given to men whereby we must be saved. Acts 4.12. Amen. Jesus is with us. On him I can depend. For I know I have salvation. For I feel it in my soul. I am determined to hold out to the end. They didn't write that old song for nothing. Those old songs and those singing in the hymn songbook is to encourage you to build your faith. That's what they all are, is faith builders. That's why I love to sing them all the time. I love the new songs, don't get me wrong. But these old songs have built my faith. They strengthen at me. That's why most of them I try to learn by heart because... When I'm driving down the road by myself or something comes down the pipeline, I want to be able to reach back because the Bible tells me that through singing and praising God, I can be restored and be renewed day by day in my faith. Amen. And this is what God desires. Amen. Praise God. So we got to have faith. Amen. Looking for the mercies of the Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. Amen. We're waiting. We're looking. Notice what Jesus says in Luke 18. And I'm going to finish here with this. Amen. Luke 18, verse 1. He tells the parable. He says, he spake a parable unto this end. Verse 8, chapter 18, verse 1. He spake a parable to this end that men ought always to pray and to not faint. See, this is why Solomon says in Proverbs 24:10, If you faint in the days of adversity, your strength is small. See? He's saying... There was in a city a judge which feared not God nor regarded man. And there was a widow in that city. And she came unto him and says, Avenge me of my adversaries. And he would not for a while, but afterwards he said within himself, Though I fear not God nor regard man, yet because this widow troubled me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. And the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge saith. 
And shall not God avenge his own elect, which cried day and night unto him, though he bear long with them? I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man come, shall he find faith on the earth? See? So God says, when I come back, are you going to have stored up faith for the contingency? Because when he comes back, that's what he's going to be looking for. Because if you have faith, guess what? You're going to have righteousness. You're going to have peace. You're going to have the Holy Ghost in operation. You're going to be just what Jesus is looking for. And he's going to be able to say, well done, that good and faithful servant. Because if he comes back and you don't have any faith, you know what the scripture says in Hebrews 11 to 6. Without it, you can't please God. See? So this is why you got to do it now. Your now faith. You got to build it up now. Because we don't know when he's coming. We don't know the minute or the hour when the Son of Man is going to come. So we have got to build ourselves up on our most holy faith. Amen. We want to be strong in our faith. And so that's why we need now faith now. Amen. Praise God. So we want to build up ourselves on our most holy faith. Amen. Now faith. Faith that you can use right now and faith that you can use in the future. No matter if it's now or later, get as much in your life as you can now and you will be able to quench all the fire darts of the wicked, whether they are persecution, rejections, illness, sicknesses, discouragements, or failure. You'll be able to endure and overcome in the end and hear him say, well done, thy good and faithful servant. Enter to the joy of the Lord which has been prepared. Praise God. Woo! <laughs> Good stuff. Amen. Now faith. All right. So let's build up our faith now. Amen. So we're ready for the coming of the Lord. Amen. Next month, we're going to be talking about the purpose for wisdom. Purpose for wisdom. Amen. So we're going to have some fun in that one as well. Amen. Don't forget, I think Oktoberfest is this weekend, so be careful with all the drunks that you're driving and all those that are out there. But seize every opportunity to draw somebody to the Lord. Amen. Keep one another in prayer. Keep one another encouraged. Amen. Prayer Saturday morning, men. Amen. From 8 to 9.